0: Non stop rock talk as always. I am your host Tyson Bryden. Today, I'm very happy to welcome from one of my all time favorite bands whose debut album, Stick to Your Guns, which was on MCA Re- Records, is still a constant listen for me. Bassist of Sweet FA, Jim Quiggins. Jim, welcome, and so happy to have you on the show.
1: Thank you for having me on, Tyson. I'm uh, very excited to be here. A lot of fun stuff to talk about.
0: Yes, indeed. Um, now. Sweet FA has recently reunited With three of the five original members Well, sort of Because the fourth was actually in the band Before the release of the debut album
1: Well, let's, let's call this Three founding members And an original member With a replacement singer Yeah <laughs>
0: Well Because
1: so, cause Brent had left Before After we got label interest But before we were signed And then John came in And then Uh The other guitar player that was on Stick to Your Guns, uh, JT, came in after that.
0: Right. Wow. Okay, so, I mean, regardless, tell me about the band. I mean, you kind of mentioned the band's lineup. How did the reunion all come together?
1: Well, I was playing with a band that was doing a lot of stuff regionally over the last year, and we ended up with a gig at the Whiskey doing direct support for some friends of ours on a Saturday night in July. We didn't want to pass it up, but our drummer couldn't make the gig, so I said to the guys, I said, you know, I know a few drummers in L.A., um, one of them being Nick Tricky that used to play with me in Sweet F.A., I can call him and see if he wants to do it. And they're like, yeah, call him, see if he'll do it. And I called him and as luck would have it, he actually had the weekend off, which is rare for him because he's a working drummer. Yeah. And uh, he said, yeah, let's do it. So went out there, rehearsed the set and went and played and knocked it out of the park and then you know a couple of weeks later he and i were talking and he you know we both agreed that it was an absolute blast you know um you know one thing's the music which with him is awesome but another thing is the hang which is absolutely awesome with nick you know um, we've been friends since constantly since Sweet of Fae days yeah so we said you know let's do more of it and we said, well, if it's going to be us, you and I, and I've been playing a lot of these festivals, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, seeing a lot of bands, uh, a lot of our, uh, contemporaries, you know what I mean? Playing some of our label mates even. And I said, you know, well, if it's going to be us, you and I, we ought to just do Sweet F.A. And he said, what about the other guys? And I said, well, let's just call them and ask, you know, if they're in, they're in, if they're out, they're out. We can't do anything about that. We'll figure it out. And, uh, so we called and, uh, steve the singer uh not able to do it no drama just not able to do it right now uh for very valid reasons um and uh the other guitar player jt same thing just too much on his plate to be able to deal with this right now and uh but john you know was a quick very quick yes and uh and then we we had a lineup set and uh Started pitching it, and lo and behold, Madam X canceled at Rock Timber, and we got thrown on with a week and a half's notice. And, That's crazy. <laughs> uh, we did a we did a couple of rehearsals. The singer we had lined up at the time wasn't able to do it because of uh, family obligations, and uh, so I pulled in my friend and, uh, of a long time, longer than I'll admit to, uh, Joe Sutton uh, from Hollywood he's been in the music business for a long, long time. And, uh, he's now our manager. And I uh, said, you know, we have this opportunity and he said, Oh, we have to do it. And I said, who are we going to get to sing? And he said, I got a guy. And he called Patrick, uh, Stone from Butterside, who oddly enough also sings for sweet
0: currently. That's crazy. <laughs> so,
1: Yeah. It's really, really <laughs> That's ironic.
0: Crazy man. And, uh,
1: and Patrick was like, you know, I've never heard of the band, but, um, uh, yeah, let me listen to the stuff. And he's like, oh, that's really good. I want to do this. So he came in and uh, did what we thought was going to do one gig. And then sort of the same experience that I had with Nick, Pat had with us. And he was like, hey, uh, what's next? And so now we're off to the races. That's you know, awesome. we're uh, throwing new, uh, new song ideas around and uh, uh, working up a headlining set for uh, January 21st here in Louisville. Uh, very exciting, huge. Uh, benefit for an organization called Murph M- Musicians Emergency Resource Foundation they do a lot of good for helping musicians uh, who uh, hit a rough spot you know because as a working musician you end up with out of health insurance or any sort of backup plan and so uh, we're very excited to be involved with that headlining set there and then we're I mean, just minutes away from announcing an Indianapolis show, uh, Indianapolis area show too. So, that's that's coming together as well.
0: That will, I'm sure, that is going to be amazing.
1: Yeah, it, so far, you know, we we had an idea, and then you know, almost less than a month later, we'd finished a gig. So, you know, it was it's just really really funny the way things worked out. But we're happy that they did. You know, and we went up to. Uh, hinkley minnesota and played rock timber and uh it was raining and there were still people out there with their raincoats and uh rain gear and some of them just standing in the rain and we started playing and people started singing the songs back to us and it was just absolutely amazing the percentage of people that knew the words to the
0: songs i mean i honestly have to tell you i still listen to the album once a week usually
1: you know i hadn't listened to it very much um just because you know it's it I, I like to say all the time you know we Sweet fa was it, like moses we got to go to the wa- top of the mountain and see the promised land but then we got kicked in the teeth and fell yeah. back into the desert yeah. which is yeah. not not entirely true but you know so i hadn't really listened to it very much until we started relearning the songs and then uh i had uh traveled down home to my sister's wedding over the weekend and listened to the set on the way down there and on the way back and uh man, you know they're fun songs. Yeah, just just fun songs. Sing songy, you know. You wake up. That's that's what got Patrick. Was we did the gig and he went home. He said he was waking up every day singing the songs. He's like, I got to do this again.
0: I mean, it, it, the album's funny because the, the first side is so great, but then you turn over the uh, I'm saying turn over because I I still have the I have it on vinyl. So you turn over, but I listen to it on streaming or and hardly ever listen to the CD. But um. You turn over the second side, and the songs on side two are just as killer as... You know, a lot of albums are... The good songs are usually on the first side, and then the fillers (laughs) on the second side, right? But every song is solid.
1: Well, we were uh, a writing machine as a band. You know, we we had uh, so many songs. You know, there's a song... There's. the album that we released, nine song album, which I don't know if it really qualifies as an album, maybe it's just a long EP, but it's called The Lost Tapes, which are uh, right. demos that were pretty much done in one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were done before Stick to Your Guns was recorded, and that's where we demoed all the songs for Howard Benson. So all those are the outtakes. From uh, the first album There's a couple of good songs on there That we're going to be playing in our headlining shows So I,
0: I was going to ask you about that Because I always wondered why those songs I, I had assumed they might have been a demo or something And why they never made the album But now I understand why
1: Yeah, well we You know, we ended up with 12 songs On the record That we wanted to make, you know, value And I, I'm glad you said that about Side 1, Side 2 We engineered it you know, this the track order was side one and side two, whereas yeah. now you just do a track order yeah. one through twelve, you know what I mean? But track order was uh, side one and side two, and the, the songs are, you know, arranged in a way to try to tell a story as well as uh, account
0: for tempo and key. Yeah, you know what, the craziest thing that always, always bothered me about the CD was why MCA did this huge... Um, I don't know what you call it. Like my CD has this big poster that yeah, fall out that you can't even get out. <laughs> it always gets stuck. So I was like, I don't even know if I've ever opened it. I think I've tried to, but I don't even know if it's ever been opened because I could never get it out.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, yeah, a lot of information in there and a big picture of us, you know. But uh, yeah, it's hard to get, hard to slide in and out.
0: And you know what's crazy is the album. I don't even think there was like an inlay in the inside. I think it, no, was, no. it was just cellophane, we were, right?
1: We were right at the end of, I mean, we kind of had to um, stomp our feet a little bit to get vinyl pressed because yeah. we were right at the end of the vinyl pressing era, you know, and, and it was, but we were, but we did get vinyl pressed because, you know, we all grew up wanting to be in a band and record an album, you yep. know what I mean? Acetate, you know, yeah. this, record an album and. You know, yeah, maybe they throw it on cassette or, you know, even before that 8-track or whatever. But we missed the 8-track era, but we, we got right on the end, and we, and we were like, what about the inside cover? They're like, nope, no
0: inside uh, cover. Yeah, and they spent all the money on the CD, clearly, and no inside cover on the on the vinyl. <laughs> it's funny. Um, but you know what? I mean, you look at that vinyl. That cover looks so much better on the vinyl, right? Because, oh, because it, it stands yeah. out, right? And it, the hype stickers actually... I still have that on there, I don't know if you can see that, but
1: yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: which is cool but and the reason being that um, and I've said this many times on my show, I was robbed three years ago, and my other copy ended up getting stolen, so I had to oh, so I had to go on discogs and buy a buy a, replace a, like two hundred albums, so i I was so mad when I was like, they took my sweet f a album, I can't believe it, I hope I can get another one. <laughs> It's, it, yeah. was, it was just one of those things right and you're yeah it's just uh, being robbed is such a violation and you accumulate all this stuff and it's so so many things right and that yeah, that yeah. being one of them so i'm just yeah glad that's I'm awful. i'm just glad i was able to get it back but um now now i did want to ask now there was a reunion back in what was it two thousand seven two
1: thousand two thousand seven we played two shows
0: yeah and uh, i I remember and this goes back to myspace I believe i mean I believe j t actually when you guys called it quits he wrote a big long interesting message on something had happened, and you guys decided to pull the plug
1: uh I don't know about that. I guess you can go to MySpace and. Uh, is there still a MySpace? <laughs> I don't even know if think, there is. I, I think it's still like, I think they're still
0: paying the. Uh, For it. Thing. Really? It, That's interesting. Yeah, it,
1: the, the site's still live. You know, the, I, I think it was Justin Timberlake that bought it s- some years ago. I was going to try to make it a, you know, music focused. Kind oh. of kind of the. Kind of the uh, Vivo, what Vivo is to YouTube, MySpace was intended to be to Facebook.
0: Oh, ah, okay. That was
1: the I, way that
0: I got it, I and, liked uh, MySpace actually. I mean, and then Facebook came along and just annihilated it. So, yeah, the uh, it,
1: it, the Facebook just their interacting um, interaction was just so much better than MySpace.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah, it was cool. Now you mentioned new music. Um, will it be Sweet F.A. with a more modern twist Or will you guys kind of hone it back to what the original sound of the band was?
1: Um, you know, that's one of those things where uh, You hate to pull too many levers before you even start So it'll be it'll be what's coming out of us So I'm going to say that it's going to be um, Sweet F.A. with a modern twist Because You know, just speaking for myself, and John and I have had this conversation uh, specifically, we have gathered so many more influences since then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Both just in the new music that came out since then to discovering uh, or delving a little deeper into our original influences, you know, like uh, Humble Pie and Jimi Hendrix and, you know, and getting further into it. And as we progressed as musicians and as people, understanding that a little bit better. So I'm not sure that even if we intended, we're going to go back and do something exactly like the stuff on uh, Stick to Your Guns, I'm not sure we could even pull that off because we're not exactly, exactly. like those people yeah. that made that. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it'll be
0: it'll be what it'll be. You, you know, guys we'll, were kids, more or less, right? What's that? You guys were kids, more or less, when you did that oh, Yeah,
1: absolutely, in more than one way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, I, you know what? I recently posted a photo of the vinyl on Facebook and tagged Howard Benson in it. And he actually ha- he he actually responded and wrote some input on the band and the recording. Oh, really? Yeah, which was really cool. Um, and he 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 really felt strongly about stick to your guns. Um, what was it like working with Howard?
1: Um, uh, H- Howard is reserved and quiet and meticulous. And uh, man, I learned a ton from Howard you know what I mean some of it directly but some of it just from sitting back and watching him record drums or guitar or vocals or anything like that you know what I mean uh uh watching him work and uh his work ethic you know he was you know when we were in Atlanta he was on the job um uh, you know we would go to the studio or to pre pre-produ- pre-production rehearsal or whatever and then a lot of times you know we'd go out you know because like you said we were kids but yeah. we were of legal age we'd go out drinking yeah. you know because that's what a rock and roll band does that's right? right
0: yeah
1: Howard Howard's back there listening to um uh, his uh he had a digital audio, audio recorder recorded everything on or he's listening to roughs or he's uh looking at his notes and trying to figure out what he's going to do the next day and then coming in with a plan the next day you know it was uh uh I mean not that we weren't doing our own work you know what I mean I had a practice station and a four track recorder set up in the uh bedroom in the apartment we were in so i could record new baselines and figure out what i was doing and you know as, as we were developing stuff i mean those howard took good songs and made them great um we had good arrangements for a local band you know or for what i would call now a baby band but howard helped us make them uh, a little more concise and make them move. You know what I mean? Like um, uh, just uh, as I'm listening to it, I'm like, man, some of this is just really cool. Cause about the time you get sort of used to it, there's a little twist, you know what I mean? It's not just ABC, ABC section over and over again. You know, there's a little bit more of a twist and a lot of thought put into it, you know?
0: Yeah. Did Was he... Did MCA choose him as a producer, or did you guys actually have a say in that?
1: We had uh, – th- there were a few producers that we talked to that were – and I think they were vetted by MCA before, you know, okay, you can talk to these three guys, pick any of these three, we're okay with with that. Yeah. Uh, there were several people, and I'm not going to remember who exactly it was, but there were several people – that maybe we would have liked to had that MCA would have been okay with that um, uh, were otherwise obligated, you know that were just not possible possible for the schedule that we wanted to be on, and uh, we all talked to Howard individually and uh, uh, and then we decided you know we all had good conversations with him. It was it was very much unanimous that we liked Howard, we liked what he had to say. We liked the stuff that he had, uh, some of the stuff that he had done, you know, uh, what he had done with other bands, you know, because we knew what those bands were. And then what Howard did with them was well beyond. So it's like, well, maybe he can do that for us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Was there, did he have a timeline of how long he had between like doing your album and then moving on to the next one?
1: Um, Well, he had the time blocked out, but I mean. uh,
0: Because he was so busy, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, he was going right into uh, right into the next pretty quick, you know, because yeah. we recorded, if I remember correctly, essentially it was um, late October to Thanksgiving, and then Thanksgiving we took a break, and then between Thanksgiving and Christmas we mixed at Sunset Sound in uh,
0: Los Angeles. So yeah. would that be '89 then? Yeah, yeah. The yeah. album came out what fall '90.
1: Yeah, it was supposed to come out earlier in 90, but and everything was ready, but MCA, just in their uh, wisdom in, in designing their roster's release schedule, we got pushed uh, back several months pa- past where we were targeting what we thought was going to be the release date.
0: Oh, that's too bad. I mean yeah i think that happened to quite a few bands that means bands that i have had on the show that i've talked to they said you know like we recorded then and then we had to wait
1: yeah and and i'm not sure what their reasoning was i mean they had quite a few rock and roll bands at the time and they you know it was probably budget decisions you know it was what they thought was best at the time but we had uh taken the release date and hired an independent publicist who did a fantastic job. So we had a bunch of publicity leading up to what was going to be the release date. And then when it pushed, that publicity had six months to fall off top of mind, you know. Right. So we didn't hit the record store shelves uh, at the same time the publicity was hitting. You know?
0: Were you guys able to play in that time or did they say you can't go out and play any of these songs until...
1: No, they let us play the whole time. Oh,
0: that's you know, good.
1: The, um, w- w- there was no restriction on how much or uh, what we could play or what we could do. We, uh, you know, we enjoyed playing, you know, and then, you know, it, like anytime you're on the road, you get on the road for a little while. You, I can't wait to get home. And then you get home for two days. and
0: <laughs> You want to go back.
1: i call the manager saying, when are we going back out? Get us some dates. Um, no, we, we, uh. We played, I mean, we were very much a live band. That was our, that that was what we all cut our teeth on and what we were, you know, we enjoyed the studio, but uh, playing live was uh, a a lot of fun. Plus, there were, you know, of course, there were dates that were booked prior to being signed that we had to fulfill. And then there were, uh, when we came back, we started, we started playing pretty much right away.
0: away. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. So, I mean, in those days, I remember... Uh, seeing the video for the first time for Rhythm of Action on Much Music. Are you familiar with Much Music? I'm up in Canada, so that was yes. like, that was our MTV, right? I think they might have only played it once or twice. but um, John I, and I
1: did an interview for Much Music when we played up there one time.
0: You guys, I, I was too young, probably. Did you play Rock I'm and Roll never, Heaven up here? Yes. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah,
1: yeah. That, that was a lot, a lot of fun. I, I love that place. That's an that we infamous have. Yeah, we had a blast in there We played there a couple of times But yeah, much music came down with a camera one time And did a interview For for whatever reason, John and I were the only two that went to the interview uh, uh, But I never did see it you I've know, never I seen it
0: and I to, a- Yeah, that's weird I used to watch it I mean, it was like a weekly The Power Hour was usually the weekly um, hard rock thing and But I never saw that I missed it. I wonder if it's on YouTube. I'll try and see if I can dig it up. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe they never used it, you know what I mean? Yeah, Image. quite possible. Huh, that's interesting. And, and I mean, it, in 1990, when that album came out, it never left my cassette deck. It was Cherry Pie, Sweet F.A., and Sleaze was like the three albums I was listening to that year, right? Cool. And I, I just remember the... The opening of that song and going what the hell is this like that was just so it just sounded so big right and then you guys are in a barn I believe right was that yeah yeah, yeah. it just it just looks so cool I was like these guys are awesome so of course I had to go get uh go buy it but I mean did was that a song that developed in the studio or did you guys have that going previously into the album
1: That's a song that I played when I went to audition with uh, Brett Parker and Nick and Steve DeLong. That's a song that uh, uh, Brett had brought to Steve, and then Steve put lyrics on, and then we. uh, Well, there was an arrangement there, but that you would recognize the song, but it's not like that. That's one of them where Howard really uh, his ability really. Shown bright there yeah. in, in that song There's some There's some Cool little Twists and changes That are real casual Until you like Really get into it And you're playing along with it And uh, is really really cool No but that was That was one of the Original Sweet FA songs
0: Wow And it's yeah. yeah And it I mean it was a great Lead off single It was just You know like It was in your face And the groove was so good And just You know the whole Lyric line And Still, it gives me, when I listen to that song, I'm like, it's one of those songs that pumps you up, right? I'm sure it goes over great live.
1: Yeah, it's hard not to nod your head or tap your foot or something like that to that song. That's one of those, that's one of those sort of uh, infectious grooves, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. And, it's a, your- and I mean, the album starting with Prince of the City was a great lead off track because it's such a cool song as well. It's like you, you dig right into the album.
1: I think, you know, prior to Rock Timber, I would have said that Prince of the City was my favorite song that we played. And I felt like that sort of uh, back in the day. But maybe it's just everything that we've all been through the last couple of years. But now I think it's nothing for nothing.
0: (laughs) That's a great one, too. It's so fast rocking. I always loved um, I love women and breaking the law. Those were, yeah. I always loved those songs. Like, I mean, I love all the songs, but I mean, those two songs, they they were like those, you know, like uh, hard rock songs that you you just like, you would top your foot to. If you were driving, you'd be like, oh man, this is a great tune.
1: <laughs> Breaking the Law is so much fun live for the band and the audience. You know, I, it just, it always, it was always part of our, uh, encore set, you know what I mean. Like if we were playing a longer show, so we go off and we come back with, uh, I forget what the, but uh, breaking the law was always in there, and it just, you know, with the breaks and just the attitude of the lyrics and yeah. you know the whole whole thing, it just, you know, gets everybody really really going.
0: I mean, then I mean, there's just and then daily grind. I mean, you could you could go on and on about the songs because it's hard to say. It's like, oh, I love that one. I love this one.
1: Yeah, this it's a that as you said that album is a nice little ride. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> sure. I'm sure it's become a bit of a cult. It's got a bit of a cult following within the, the I guess you'd call it the hair rock genre if that's what you would hard rock or whatever.
1: Well, you know, playing around and and traveling and going different places. One of the things that I learned. Over the last year, is how many people like you that are out there? You know what I mean? We were doing shows with a band called Kicking Valentina that's based out of wow. Atlanta. The drummers, originally from Chicago, we played two shows with them. And at the third one, they come in, we're up on stage doing sound check. And uh, he comes running in, runs up to the stage, runs straight up to me. And he's like, Were you in Sweet FA?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no
1: way. Guilty as charged. He's like, oh my goodness. He's like, I play drums because of Tricky Lane or something.
0: Really? Like hey. Or, a-
1: and, and uh, um, so it was just. But there's a lot of people like that. A lot of a uh, lot of fans. A lot of um, people that know the songs, and uh, you know, they're asking me occasionally about it, and I'm just dismissing them because I didn't think there was any way that we could uh, do anything. Uh, I think we all sort of felt that way. And just because of life, you know. And uh, um, th- and then, you know, Nick and I played that gig and we started talking about it. And then, like, Rock Timber confirmed it. I mean, there were so many people that were singing the words back to us. You know, it's just like, I, it, it, you just look out there and you're like, I don't even remember the words. How do you remember the words?
0: <laughs> well, they probably listen to it as much as I do, <laughs> which is crazy. I mean, yeah, it's... Now, going back to the club days did you guys were playing Indianapolis and Chicago in that whole surrounding area?
1: Well, in, so, you know, we were signed within like we put Brent had left and then we put, uh, we got John and then JT after that. And then, uh, I think in November of 88, we played, uh, our first gig. And then in May of 89, we were negotiating the finer details of a record deal with MCX records. Uh, And we were, uh, we all worked two full-time jobs. A lot of, you know, I've seen comments on message boards and YouTube and different things about how, you know, a bunch of rich kids get a record deal, big deal. But, you know, none of us came for money. And, you know, so we would go to work and, work all day, come home, practice, you know, get prepared for rehearsal, go to rehearsal, rehearse from, let's just call it seven to midnight. And then at midnight, we would break and we would go to wherever in Indianapolis at that time you had Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, quarter beer night, Tuesday on the east side, Wednesday on the west side. And Indianapolis is geographically very spread out. And then on the Thursday on the south side. And so then we would go to quarter beer night and we would sell tickets to our next show. We were on a, our manager, Bob McCutcheon, the brilliant development idea. We weren't traveling to play clubs. And at that time, it was still mainly a cover scene. So an uh, uh, original band getting a gig somewhere was almost unheard of. So we made our own gigs. Luckily, Bob ran a theater and we, we started out there. And we and, and by the time the theater went through some a change of hands and we went to one of the bigger clubs in indianapolis for a few months and then when the theater got straightened out we went back there but we went on a monthly so we would play once a month so we would pick our dates and okay now we've got this month and then i mean almost every day we were working and then going to rehearsal and then saturday and sunday we got to rehearse a little earlier and take a shower before we went out and uh you know did up the weekend or whatever uh but but that's what i mean it was a writing machine it was come in run the set and then who's got something new let's go back to that idea that john had let's go back to you know what was that beat you were playing before we when we walked in nick can you can you play that beat let's play that beat so we you know and then we come up with something you know off of that it just depended it was there was no one real formula for for writing but i mean it was it was constant and then you know a lot of times we take a day off and nick and i live together and, and we're like well no rehearsal tonight and it's like man you want to go jam and we go do <laughs> the section rehearsals you know and just because he was like well it's force of course i have it we don't have anything else to do
0: wow
1: and uh so it, it but it was you know it was work 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 i mean the kind of work that you enjoy but work 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 right refine you know at one point john and steve and i all three worked in a greenhouse and during the day we would pass each other and sing ideas you know hey man after that second chorus maybe we ought to go to a b and you know what i mean and you know <laughs> to throw out these ideas as we were playing these songs in our head or on our walkman's listening to uh rehearsal tapes because we were uh very adamant about recording everything even though it was only a jam box you know what I mean? we recorded on a jam box and then it had you know it was one of those high-end ones that had two where you could copy the tapes oh right with high speed dubbing yeah <laughs> you, could, you could copy the tape so you had a really crappy copy of a crappy recording that you could listen to and try to figure out what you wanted to do you know it's you know you play the song up to you know like i was talking about into the second course and stop it and see if you can make it go a different place or put a turnaround in that's a little more interesting or something
0: that's cool yeah now you do that on your phone you put your phone if you're rehearsing you put we put i mean my band we always have the phone going right if we're working on something you know what i mean and then you listen to it later
1: yeah absolutely record ideas do uh, different stuff i mean one of my favorite things to do is to get in a room and and just jam and just freeform jam and see if you can arrange a song out of it you know what i mean and condense it down and yeah. So you can record it, and if you're to a click, you can take back and you can say, "Okay, that's the A section, that's the B section, that's a bridge, that's a turnaround." Oh, I got it. Here's a three and a half minute song, edited down, done, relearn it, and now you got a song.
0: Now were were there any songs on Stick to Your Guns that y- were totally done that were totally new in the studio, like you guys had never in any form played them?
1: Um southern comfort came together in the studio and i don't remember for sure whether it was an idea before the studio or not but i know for sure i don't think we played it before that i think that came together in atlanta well i know it came together in atlanta but it may have been initially conceived in atlanta but i don't remember exactly
0: did you were you guys happy with how the album turned out
1: I don't know you can you can listen to it and subjectively say I guess in, an, in a word yes yeah. you know what I mean I mean there are people like you that are still listening to it so I have to be happy with that you right. know uh, but you can always say oh well I wish there was more of this or less of that or you know what I mean or uh, I, I wish wish we'd just fix that in, in, in the arrangement you know but you know, you, can just, you second guess yourself It's like a painting You know, you're never done You just stop at some point
0: Yeah, I mean, you hear certain guys talk about their albums And maybe sometimes they're more 70s guys That were listening to more 70s And the 80s was, you know, a different bit of sound So sometimes they're not happy with it Because they wanted it more 70s sounding than 80s sounding
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, I would have preferred that um, A little more A little more open, but that wasn't the way things sounded at that point in life, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. Now did did you guys embark on did you tour was it mostly clubs or did you catch on with a bigger tour at any point?
1: We never did get that tour, you know what I mean? Like we I know we missed we missed out on the A C D C tour that Love Hate was on. Like we were up for that. that Something, you know what I mean? And there was there was, there was something in Europe that, uh, I am not. I don't remember who that was, there were a couple of those that we were up for that we just never did get. We did smaller clubs with bands that were larger than us at the time, like Circus of Power and Salty Dog, and uh, there were several really killer bands that we got the opportunity to play with, and then we did a lot of headlining club shows, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's too bad. I mean, I, I was trying to recollect if I remember you guys ever being on a big tour, and And that's unfortunate, though, because
1: oh, that would have made a huge difference. I mean, exactly. uh, In we were the album was out, and we were in LA, and uh, we were talking with I can't remember her name now, but she was uh, publicity in LA, and she said she could tell what town we had played uh, the the week before by sales. She said, "I can. I know when you guys are in Baltimore because the next week you guys are going to sell records, you know, and it's going to it's going to show up here. So if you take that and extrapolate it out, instead of playing to a thousand people, play to ten thousand or twenty five thousand. Yeah, you know, like like you ju- we could have created a lot more demand if we would have been able to land that tour. Yeah,
0: you know? and I mean it's kind of unfortunately there's. Oh, that's a lot of case with bands that were on MCA Because they had so many bands on their roster That, you know, there were so many good albums that MCA put out But they just never seemed to go to that next level where they should have
1: Yeah, they, you know, I think a lot of that was a numbers game to them You know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, the trajectory of this band They're popular enough, they've done all the legwork. We're going to make our money back and make some money on this now, do we put another million dollars in this in hopes that we make? Yeah, uh, another million dollar. You know what I mean? It's it's a it's a it's a uh, th- there's a formula to it from the business side. You know what I mean? When you, you 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 have to remove yourself emotionally if you're in that business. You have to remove yourself from the remove yourself emotionally from the music, and most of the time, you know what I mean. And then then you can make uh, sort of informed business decisions you know but then again you also have to be willing to go no this is it this is this is going to be it so we're going to invest in it
0: and i mean it it had to be frustrating because i mca only you only did one album with mca and i mean considering how solid that album was
1: Uh, it was it was really frustrating it was um you know only one video and um not much radio push. Uh, Prince of the City did fantastic with hard rock, heavy metal. Oh, I could radio see it. Like, right. like like Z Rock, and that was sort of uh, sort of the advance. That's the one that I wanted to do the video for. Maybe would would stand a chance of beating Megadeth because what happened to Rhythm of Action was Headbangers Ball. They used to do. You may remember what it was called, but they used to do a shootout at midnight. Yep.
0: I remember and, that. Yeah,
1: and Megadeth was on this run. I think when we went up against them, they'd been ten weeks consecutively and just crushing the competition. And then, so you got Megadeth—I don't remember what song it was—playing uh, this really killer metal song on he- Headbangers Ball. And then here comes Sweet FA, which you know, you know, uh, corn-fed country boys He's in a, such bar. a killer <laughs> song. I mean, it can, uh, it, was, it was. I don't mean to d- d- disparage our song at all. No, no. In that context,
0: and we got crushed. Well, you're going up and against that, Megadeth, too, right? On Headbangers yeah. Ball. So, I mean, that I, I get and it. The it, MTV it was,
1: and the MTV was, you know, uh, CMCA, your bands got crushed, you know, because yeah. they were, I think they were going through a little uh, transition there.
0: Yeah, and it's just funny because, I mean, that album, you, I mean, for me, I think about it and go, okay, that album was really solid. The label look, should have looked at it and said, you know what, let's gain some more momentum, put out an, an outstanding second release, and see where it goes. But unfortunately, that never happened with yeah, MCA.
1: We, we requested to be released. Oh, you did? Bank. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I'm not sure that that was the best decision because I think MCA might have let us just keep making records. And what I would have, in, in that time, what I liked would have seen us done, I would have liked stick to your guns to sold a little better obviously, but, uh, I mean, we did chart, but I think it was stalled at one eighty seven or something, but, um, uh, do three albums with your head down and then do a fourth one and break it. Whether yeah. you got a hot Desmond child or Duke like
0: Co- Bon Jovi. Yeah.
1: And whatever. And then you break your whole catalog. You yeah. know what I mean? So now you're, and now you're experienced enough to be able to handle the income. You know, you've made a little bit of money along the way, but you'd be able to handle the income. But, uh, You know, MCA had a lot going on in that time. They had a couple of subsidiary uh, companies that they were trying to save and put their priorities on. I think this is... Mechanic? uh, You know, what I've heard, you know. And um, um, so, you know, you've only got so many eggs in the basket, you know, that, that you can put in the basket, you know.
0: Yeah. Huh. Now, were you involved in any of the songs that ended up on Temptation? Or were you gone uh, long before they well, started working well, on I it? Well, was,
1: I was involved, but Temptation was written a completely different way. The Temptation was written with the singer and guitar player bringing in the song and saying, this is the arrangement. Oh. It needs a B section. No, it doesn't.
0: Oh. Okay. Gotcha. Wow. I mean, yeah. They, <laughs> I can't listen to I I hate to say it, and I admit it. I can't listen to the whole thing. I can't listen to the whole thing. <laughs> I've tried but there are some good songs on it I mean Your Love was I liked that one and the cover of um, Mama Told Me Not To Come I liked that and there's a few other ones but it's it yeah. just wasn't stick to your guns to me so but and we'll leave it at that I don't want to to insult it or anything it's just I I prefer stick to your guns so
1: yeah yeah, yeah. So, I hear that a lot
0: yeah well, Jim, I want to thank you for your time, and it was truly a pleasure, man. It was great to hear all these stories about how um, about the album, and I'm so happy. Hopefully, I can get out to see Sweet FA at some point. Um, you know, being in Canada, it's a little bit tougher, but I do make it down to the states on occasion. So,
1: hey, we were north of Canada in Hinckley, Minnesota, I think.
0: <laughs> oh, you probably were. Yeah. Well, Toronto is it's probably way north of Toronto, but still a far distance.
1: North and west, but, you yeah. know, north <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Are you based in L.A. or are you in in Indiana still?
1: I, I am in Louisville, Kentucky Oh, okay As, as a home base But uh, I, I uh, work remotely, so I travel So, as we, like, we were prepared for Rock Timber I went to L.A. and worked out there So, my um, uh, friend and manager, Joe, live out there So, we do a, a lot of business so I'm going out there next week uh, to prepare for uh, The show in November that we haven't announced yet And then take care of a lot of business Because there's a lot of stuff that you can do out there Person to person that it's just hard to do Even though we're connected it, It's still A face to face business yeah. You know personal connections Mean everything
0: I love Kentucky actually I was just talking to someone a bit that we were talking about Kentucky my son plays ball right And we come down there for tournaments and whatnot For baseball and we're 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 hoping for a Kentucky tournament because we're saying, oh man, I love going to Kentucky. Yeah, it's all right here. Yeah, it's a good place. It's fun. So, anyways, um, is there anything? I mean, you guys have a Sweet FA has a Facebook page. Is there any other avenues to find the band?
1: SweetFARocks.com is live uh, and. Uh, if you check it every day, it'll probably be a little bit different because we're, we're adding to it. and uh, You know, you look at it a few times, you're like, oh, well, we need to say this or we need to say that. Uh, and then uh, Sweet FA Official with underscores is, uh, I think you can just search Sweet FA on Instagram, which we just started. We just launched that just prior to uh, Rock Timber. But yeah, like you said, uh, Facebook. And all this, all those links are on uh, SweetFARocks.com. Yeah. So that's the way to get a hold of us and keep up with us.
0: Yeah, I was on Facebook today, and there was another live video from that. And I was like, oh, cool. Because I'd only seen uh, Do a Little Drive-In is up there. And I, what was the one I heard today? I can't remember now. That was great. It was one of the tunes. I'll stick to your guns, but...
1: Prince, Prince of the City is up there. I'm trying to remember what that was that was posted today. It might have been a clip of Stick to Your Guns,
0: the song. Oh yeah, the, uh, yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Anyway, so so, Sweet FA fans, you should check it out because there's new stuff all the time. Like you said, it's really cool to to just watch that live stuff. So yeah, yeah. Well, Look forward forward to seeing more too. So
1: so do we, man. It's just it. it it's a whirlwind, and like everybody, like it. it it's taking on a life of itself you know it's it's like a it's like a nuclear reaction you know once you set it in motion it's just gonna happen and then you know uh, there's all this collateral but uh people like yourself that are uh popping up and like oh my goodness you know and it's been been really really fun you know yeah and then trying to engineer everything that you have to engineer you know it's like we went from uh the idea of a band to a band that was playing uh, a really fantastic gig in a very short amount of time. And then and so we have to build the infrastructure that usually takes a couple of years to build. So we're very, very lucky in that, you know, not complaining about scrambling because that's uh, a fortunate b- byproduct of our circumstances.
0: Well, I will, t- I will try and get this interview out as quick as I can to keep that momentum going because... I'm hoping that, you know, a lot of people listen to my show. I get, I get my numbers every year, every week, and I'm like, oh. And I hadn't done anything for about three months, and my numbers were still coming in, which was fantastic. And thank you to the listeners. But um, So hopefully we'll, people will pick up on that, too. And maybe people that have never heard the band, even.
1: Well, I've, you know, uh, we ran into people at uh, Rock Timber that were, you know, never heard of you guys, but I'm buying a shirt you know you know you know our people that were oh I never got to hear you back in the day and so now I'm really happy that I get to see you so cool. there's a there's a lot of that so we hope there's a lot more out there are and those you sh- know we're going to pick up people as we go too we're going to convert new fans
0: that's, are those shirts available online
1: they are we're we're a little bit broken in sizes that logo that's going to that's a limited edition It's the only time that logo is going to be on a shirt Oh. Cause we're going with a new logo, and so it's th- th- those are going to be when they're gone, they're gone, as they say.
0: Are they so on the website? They are. Okay, I'm going to check. I might buy one, so if I mean, we'll see if there's my size. But it's all good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll wait
1: for yeah, the next one. We're already broken in sizes, but we're we're putting together our next uh, merch order. We're trying to figure out what we need maybe to get us through the next couple of months. So cool. I, I again there was you know we were, we just did that on a whim like well we really shouldn't play this show without some sort of merch so let's get this together joe and i got it together and uh they were very popular you know it was it, it was a lot of fun
0: i saw fun the videos i saw thing. the videos of them being for sale and people coming over and you know and then i saw the captions where do i get this shirt
1: <laughs> we uh we went out to the merch booth after the show and uh you know do, do a meet and greet or whatever and i thought you know we'd have a dozen people or something that would trail by we're standing there and i look up and there's a line that disappears around the corner you know and um it, it, it wasn't that far but it was a lot far, There it was a lot more people waiting in line to talk to us than i would have been i don't wait in a so you know? lot <laughs> well i do but it's got to be something good at yeah, the end yeah. of the line yeah.
0: Well, you know, I think that's I that's they,
1: amazing, they, man. They thought we were good enough to stand in line for, it and I, it was very flattering. It was it was really eye opening. It's like, wow, what have we done?
0: Unexpected, probably right.
1: Very unexpected, yeah.
0: Like you no, know, but you never know either because you go and you do your thing, and you're you're playing the songs that you've you've known forever, and.
1: Oh no, we didn't know them forever. We
0: all had to relearn them. Well, yeah, of course. But I mean,
1: oh, yeah. I mean, it was, of course. I mean, you know the arrangements and stuff, so you kind of know what's coming next. It's not like learning something totally yeah. new, but but it was uh, it was still a challenge, you know. Get back up on those songs, and it's like, what did we do there? What am I playing? <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you play? Did you go back and play anything and listen to it and go? I don't. I don't know if I can do that again. <laughs>
1: No, there's there, there's some weird things. It's like, oh, what was that? What was, what was that? And there's uh, some weird timing things. And then uh, there are a couple of songs that back then I played with a pick. And for the last, I don't know, four years, I haven't played with a pick. I've been playing uh, solely with my fingers. I mean, up until uh, May of 21, I was playing with a uh, blues funk band. So I was playing. I wasn't using a pick at all. I was okay. just using a and uh, uh, so I've been trying to pick the pick back up Because <laughs> uh, some of that does make it just a little bit different It's just sort of a different uh, attack attitude uh, Breaking the Law is one of those songs that yeah. I play with it. So it's, I play like like Sid Vicious, you know, a uh, um, uh, punk song yeah. You know what I mean? Stiff arming it is what I call it well, Not using, just using your elbow you Yeah, know?
0: exactly. Well, that's funny that you I, I'm reading Ronnie James Dio's book right now and he's talking about uh, Jimmy Bane and Bob Daisley. And um, something about, I guess, I think Jimmy Bane used a pick and then Daisley came in and he used his fingers and then they kind of had to tell him that you know that those songs were picked. And the, it, it was kind of a cool story because it doesn't say a whole lot about it, but you're like, okay, I get it. Because that was the vibe of those Rainbow songs was... Was Jimmy Bain using a pick as opposed to using his fingers? And Daisley used his fingers. It was kind of cool to, to to get that little tidbit of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It takes a lot of intention to get the same articulation out of your fingers as you can get out of a pick rather yeah, easily.
0: Uh, totally. I totally there, agree.
1: there are there are uh, things that, at least I, do with a pick that I I, I call it smoking mirrors. But there's a lot of. Double stroke and I know exactly
0: what you mean. Yeah,
1: you can get out of it that you can't, you know what I mean. It's, it's,
0: you just can't get out even a bite into the string with that you can get with a pick, you know what I mean? Um, as opposed to you can't do with your fingers, yeah, yeah, yeah. or uh, a certain angle, right?
1: And if you're doing staccato stuff in unison with two guitars, the pick helps, you know, because you can palm, palm mute and it helps with that articulation and keeps everything sounding tight.
0: Right. Yeah. So did you go back and use the pick then? Is what you were saying?
1: Uh, I played. We didn't play Breaking the Law at Rock Timber. Um, I think there was a song that I played with a pick, but I might have changed my mind. The funny thing is, the pick, you get that articulation and you get some cheap tricks out of it. I have a better groove with my fingers and especially not having played with a pick for the last three or four years. Uh, Right now, my groove is just so much better with my fingers. And I'm pretty, pretty quick with two fingers. So, uh, you know, it it just, it just depends. But I've been, you know, I was playing through songs last night and I go back and forth, even in the same song. I'll play the first verse and chorus with a pick and then I'll drop the pick and play with my fingers. And then I'll, you know, and then decide. And if I, if I get really, really, um, confused by it I'll record it with a pick and then record it without and then go back and cut them together and listen to them AB them and you know make sure that I'm getting what the band needs
0: yeah that's cool well I have one more question before and I just thought of this what was with the name changes on of the band like you were Jim Quick and Tricky Lane and <laughs> was that well-
1: Tricky was a self-imposed nickname That he came in with That he's yeah. dropped now So we yeah. call him Nick Yeah. But I think for everybody to understand That he's one of the original members I, I put Tricky in, still yeah. in, in uh, parentheses um, that, that that was Steve's idea He thought it was interesting And then, you know, that was back in the day Where you maybe wanted to have some Um, um a buffer between you and your audience you know so they couldn't just look you up in the phone book and so it was you know in my instance it was close to my last name and steve was really hot on the idea and then you know you have thunder and lightning thunder and lightning yeah and we all just kind of i mean uh, we didn't hate it enough to stomp our feet about it i guess you know what i mean i don't think any of us were super crazy about it but when it came time to do
0: it we did it so well it's funny because it's, it was confusing later on because I'm like who are the who are these guys <laughs> yeah because <laughs> you're yeah. used to the names on the album right
1: right yeah which yeah. is
0: funny but anyways Jim again thanks so much and uh, I wish you guys the best of luck and I cannot wait for the new material when it comes and hopefully as I said I get to see you guys at some point.
1: Yeah, we need to make that happen. Thank you very much for having me on today. It's been a lot of fun.
0: It was. It was a pleasure. Um, and I will I will let you know when it posts. I will tag you in it so that hopefully you will share the interview as well.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Okay, ma'am. Cool. Well, enjoy the rest of your night. Thanks. Okay. Thank okay. you. Cheers.